there was a battle royale game I saw just um, this week. Uh, God, I wish I would remember what the name of it was. But I was watching a YouTube Beam Battles. That's what it was called. Uh, it's a battle royale. It's for fifty cents on Steam. And essentially, it's like a, you are a bean. I'm kind of looking like looking at it right uh, now. Yeah, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. This reminds me of that. I don't know if you guys ever played it, but it was like that browser game um, where there was like a big wall in front of you, and you had yeah. to shoot the arrow over the wall to hit the person on the other side. And you could play it like two player. Yep, I remember that one. This reminds me of that in like a 3D format. Yeah for some reason now so low. look at the first screenshot and you'll notice that is very reminiscent of nuketown that, from call of duty yeah that's nuketown <laughs> yeah it is hard. <laughs> i bet you they're just like copying <laughs> all these other bigger titles uh bean battles 100 percent. let's pick up bean, bean battles. battles 49 cents <laughs> 49 i don't cents. think you're gonna have more fun with 49 cents than Beam Battle. I don't know, man. That's 49 cents to go towards my Steam Deck, which, by the <laughs> way, is on schedule. It is on schedule. So well, there there aren't experiencing massive delays. I think that, again, I'm being surprised by a company that planned ahead. Uh, I think that they knew to be very cautious with how they set their stuff up on there. But I also do still expect a lot of people to cancel on them and to not end up wanting one. Uh-huh. But as of right now, my pre-order is still there. I'm, I'm still excited. Well... Some could say you're picking up the Steam Deck for Bean Battles. Welcome to the Mammoth Games Cast. I am one of your hosts, Jay. With me this week, we have Johnny Riot. Hey, hey. And Brian. Yo. All right. Um, this week's show is pretty predictable. Um, so buckle up. If you guys get the chance, head over to uh, facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc. Check out all the top news and video game stuff there. Follow us on Twitter at Mammoth Games Inc. So you know when we go live, do jump just like this. Um, before we get into the predictable portion, um, I mean, I feel like the beginning of this is just kind of a downer. It's like, oh no, don't, you know, d- don't don't look too hard for this. And then, oh no, this probably isn't going to happen. Um, uh, try to think of it more as like a PSA, public service announcement. It's like, hey, give yeah, me a this heads is up. A, this is definitely a PSA. If you, um, uh, yeah, I, I would say as a reminder, in case you've managed to avoid most of the internet for the past week. Um, yeah, it's, it's which kind of starting out. Yeah, if you've avoided if you've avoided everything for this, or if you've been curious why certain things like Typhlosion are trending on Twitter lately. Um, this week was kind of a big one because the new Pokemon game leaked already. Just goddamn it! <laughs> like Pokemon Pokemon Arceus has fully leaked. Not only are there actual physical retail copies floating around, there's already ROMs you can download and play pirated copies of the game. Like it is already all over the place. So the entire full Pokedex has leaked. Uh, every little battle mechanic that's in there is leaked. Some people that had early hands-on have already basically like played most of the game. Um, the new variant forms of different Pokemon are out in the wild for you to be able to see if you really want to. Some of it does look kind of cool. 
Some of it still has me on my toes, a little bit nervous about it. I did bite the bullet and look at all the different leaks that have come out so far. Um, I'm still going to try the game out. It's just that the more the leaks are out there, the more I'm really realizing, like earlier I said, it's not your normal Pokemon game, but we already knew that. Right. It's, it's one where you just have to be able to... You have to be willing to give it a shot. Yeah, and for me, that's what I'm doing. I'm just, like, ignoring this weird... Like, I, th- that was pretty much it. I saw some weird Pokemon things trending, and I'm like, I don't think so. Not for I me. think I might have missed the trendings and stuff like that, or I just, it didn't catch my eye. It's a lot of predictions that people had earlier on being right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we already knew there were going to be um, new forms of, or new versions of some classic Pokemon. Like, we knew that a Growlithe was announced early on, which led to assume that an Arcanine would be a thing. Yeah. Um, people talked about, oh, I bet the I bet the final evolutions are going to look different for the starters. Um, just all kinds of things early on that people were guessing or predicting, and, and sometimes even quote unquote leaking months ago um, are starting to be found to be true. A lot of a lot of the stuff that people were saying earlier on were just original leaks and speculation are correct. So yeah, it's a whole different kind of game. Uh, I, I still think it's completely crazy that I can run up on a Pokemon and just lob a Pokeball at it and it can get pissed off at me and come hit me. Not my Pokemon, me. Yes. That's <laughs> Consequences. I, I, I do like that, though. I think that's interesting. Like, and, I want to get ganged up yeah. on by a bunch of Bidoof that are just angry. Yeah, I want to see how many oh I can God. aggro. <laughs> just how many Wob effects I can get chasing me. <laughs> also, um... I think the coolest thing that's out there that I will say I think is neat is that shiny hunting isn't going to be as hard. Shinies are still going to exist. You're going to physically be able to see them, though. Yeah, right. but you'll also be able to hear them. Oh. Oh, they'll have a different sound yeah. to them? There's going to be a little chime that happens when they appear on the overhead map, Hell which yeah. I, okay. I wish there was a way to disable that because I feel like that would be cooler just to not hear it happen. And but just, apparently there's like a little alert sound when they spawn that you'll be able to hear it to be able to kind of go chase them down and find them. Nice. Okay. But I, I would imagine that the shiny rates must might be a little bit easier in this one. I would hope shiny rates are a little bit better because could you imagine running up to a, a bird and it's a shiny and you sneak up on it to throw a Pokeball at it and it just flies away? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just watching I'd the shiny. So, you like, probably just like break down and cry at that moment. I'd be so mad. Because up to this point, it's just like the Pokemon fled. But now we get to see it like... Before you can even throw a Pokeball at us, it's like, bye. Yeah. I mean, no. You get to see it run away. Or you chase it for a little bit. And God, yeah, that'd be terrible. That's going to be fun. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still picking it up. This one's kind of my game for the month even though it comes out at the end and that's really stupid and I have like 400 games for next month. Um, but yeah. Interesting. Avoid that. Avoid that, guys. Um, up next is kind of not a surprise because they pretty much did the same thing last year. Um, but E3 is all but canceled for um, uh, 2022. And I don't want to say like it is canceled. Um, they are shutting down the um, floor show. Right. From everything I've they, read, of course, nothing's going to be held in person. 
Yeah, right. it's probably going to be just like it has been in the past, where it's going to be full remote, like everyone in their own studios, launching up their own pre-recorded footage of stuff. Um, maybe an occasional live presentation here and there. But I, I, thanks to the fact that we're running into year, you know, we're we're starting up our third year of a pandemic right now. Um, right. I'm already seeing so many other events shut down and cancel, like toy fairs and stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, a lot of things that used to rely on that being more in person. When it comes to something like E3, realistically, that never, with technology as it is, that never need that doesn't need to be in person. Right. The thing like, is, is that it just needed to have a really good organizer, so that way it. Yeah. It's not like how it was in 2020 when it was initially shut down, and then everyone decided to do their own thing, and it was just this month long mess of a lot of times scenes the same things getting repeatedly announced yeah go back go back a couple years and listen to some old episodes because man that was some that was like a crazy month of us trying to record anything right yeah yeah so um this this article that we're looking at here um it pretty much revolves around uh jeff grubb he does um is he, he is he the venture beat guy? Yes. Okay. Um, and is he their venture beat or games beat? Let me look up real quick. Yeah, but go ahead and continue. I'll but, wait for a minute. Yeah, uh, the, you know, the, it looks like he was talking. Uh, according to a video game industry reporter, industry reporter Jeff Grubb, a digital uh, iteration of E3 2022 is now likely being scrapped for the summer in uh, a new video released on YouTube. He explains that the digital component of the show is likely not happening, which means the summer's landscape for the, uh, for game announcements will likely look much different than normal. Uh, the quote was E3 is a uh, E3 physical or has been canceled. Well, physically has been canceled. Digitally is probably also going to be canceled. Um, usually I would not, I, I would just go, okay. Like, He's just kind of a dude. Like he doesn't like work there, you know. Um, right. But he has venture kind of beat is. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. I thought I caught a pause there, but venture beat is where he works with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. But he has made a few things before. You know, he's like made a few like uh, comments before and things that that I remember going like, oh. Why the hell should I care? And then, like, a week later, it was like, ah, that's why I should have cared. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. You can still take it with a, still take it with a grain of salt. Um, you never know. But either way, I just, I, the, the the summer is. I feel like we're transitioning. I feel like E three is kind of on its way out. And yeah, I don't. I don't see E3 as an event anymore, but as a season. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because we we get gum, uh, summer games fest, and that just uh, spans all of summer, and it kind of sucks. Like I, I like it, but it kind of sucks because we do get what we get in like a week across all of summer. But right. I never and know when all track. this. Ha- yeah, I never know when this shit's happening. Right. I, like I miss so many things. Like, when it happens, just because, uh, like, I'm at work. Or, you know, something like that. There's always something that that I'm doing that's like, oh, I wasn't aware. So, 
yeah, we'll uh, we'll see on uh, on that front if they make an official announcement canceling the um, official show. But I, do, I I think it would be weird for them to go, hey, we're not having anything during that you know during that usual time. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the first time that they've done that. I mean, at least within the last few years here, they've they did it back in 2020. Then they brought it back as a digital only event in 2021 and they had um Greg Miller and just and uh Jackie Jing host it. Yeah. But it's still I think the key of it, the key part of it is just organizing all the publishers and producers and developers on when who gets to showcase what at what time and making sure that it just doesn't become this long drawn out process where sometimes you get repeated information and then just kind of people just get fatigued by it and i think with the last few years some very valuable lessons have been learned on that and so hopefully that this coming year it'll be uh, really well organized yeah I also wonder if it comes down to, like, time slots. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I have to go on after Elden Ring. Like, that's pretty a pretty tough thing to follow. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I wonder if there is a little bit of talk like that as well. Right. All right. Like I, even if it, even if as a quote unquote event, it's it's done, and they don't even want to do a digital version of it being E three, we're still going to see every company do their presentation because that's at this point how when shareholders expect to get information. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it would this, shake up way too many things for them to just as a whole have every developer, like every company, just be like, "Well, I guess we're not going to waste our time." Like, no, it's it's everyone's still going to have their own thing. Yes, but at this point, we've seen over the past couple of years, every major company or developer has started having their own events anyway. Exactly. You know, Nintendo has their own presentations. Square Enix has their own presentations. Um, Xbox has their own. Sony has their own. And with the way things are going, we're seeing fewer need for individual catered presentations because people keep fucking buying each other. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, moving into the next article. Um, right. But looking at this, the big thing is, and, and I see, because I follow a lot of industry professionals, they're like, it's so sad that E3 is gone because so much business is done at E3. Right. That's what a lot of the key thing, be, besides this being a major games journalism outlet, like yeah. a lot of partnerships are made at E3. A lot of networking is done at E3 between developers and publishers and yeah stuff. a lot of pitches go down at e3 as well like people that exactly couldn't fund a game on their own get the chance to speak and pitch their game to someone at nintendo and now right. it's on the switch and it's a lot easier to do that kind of networking when you are in person which unfortunately is just it's another casualty of the era that we're currently living in and i hate it <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's terrible um, but we'll see what happens with that digital. We'll keep a, you know, we'll keep an eye on that and keep you guys up to date. Um, but the rest of the show is pretty much covered <laughs> by um, a, a few different uh, things. Uh, but act- really, like, oh, sorry, Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, this this is possibly like the biggest thing that happened in video game news in decades. It's massive. Um, but I feel like they just keep like upping the ante 
pretty right. much. But this one, this one is big. Um, and of course, you guys probably already know that we're talking about the Microsoft um, acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Right. The act is the acquisition. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unpack or, here. Right. Um, and bear in mind that this is just the announcement. This is, nothing has been finalized. This is just them going public with their intentions to buy this out. There's still a chance that this may not happen. Like the U.S. government steps in, saying like, "No, nah, yeah, this is." I was, I was about to say, I do expect to see some scrutiny on this because right. it is so big. Um, and if it does go fully through, I, I, I do still expect it to be looked at a lot. Right, but um, I think there's still a good chance that this will go through because I was taking a look at the quarterly earnings for um based on video game earnings and right now well last quarter it was 10 cent at 7.9 billion dollars you had sony in second place at 4.1 billion then you have apple at 3.6 billion and then fourth place is microsoft at 2.9 billion and then you still don't see activision blizzard down until seventh place at 2.16 so if you were to combine uh, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft's quarterly earnings, that would just put them slightly ahead of Sony at second place. But on, individually, Tencent and Sony still are dominating as far as quarterly earnings go for um, video game publishing. Yeah, yeah. So it is big. Um, and I, I think some of the big things that come with this... Uh, you know this merger um isn't really on like the surface i think people would look at it and go like oh you know their big seller is you know this or that i I do think activision blizzard has a um i think they have like a dark horse (laughs) they have a lot of dark horses and when you look into their developers that they have under their wing i think one of them for me i don't know why it stands out and it's not something that I do. Just jumping into, um, just jumping into the numbers, um, the 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 buyout for for this uh, is six sixty eight point seven billion. Um, so that puts it, um, just behind the Disney buying out twenty first Century Fox for right. 71.3 um, as well uh, I think the first one is AT&T buying up Time Warner for 85.4 billion in 2018 um, so ma- massive um, I'm trying to see of what else was um, recently we talked about Take-Two buying uh, Zanga um, that one was well below the Microsoft um, right, Microsoft but at line. the time, it was the biggest acquisition in the games industry, and then and it was like twelve point seven, yeah, like twelve point yeah. seven jumped up to six, uh, uh, or yeah, it was twelve point seven jumped up to like sixty eight point seven billion. Right. Wow, um, and recently, of course, last year Microsoft bought Zenimax Media for eight point one billion. Um, which, in retrospect, it is chump change. Right. <laughs> um, but 
it, it's funny. Uh, you know, a lot of people they think of Activision, you know, Call of Duty. They think of Blizzard, World of Warcraft, Diablo, Overwatch, Starcraft. Um, but they also have King. Um, yeah. Activision bought King in 2015 for 5.9 billion. Uh, King makes Candy Crush. I Which think is, that one's the dark horse. Like, I, don't I think, think you're people, right on that too. People are. I don't think people are looking at that, and I think that was possibly the biggest thing that they bought is King. Well, when you go back to like what I was listing off here, you had Apple and Tencent in the top three of um, quarterly earnings. Their main focus, well, especially with Apple, but all to an extreme amount with Tencent, that mobile gaming is the mass majority of those earnings. Um, I mean, Apple doesn't really publish PC or console games, so all of that was from mobile game sales, and then Tencent is essentially massively involved with mobile gaming. So Microsoft acquiring one of the biggest game names in mobile gaming, Candy Crush Saga, that is... I, I would 100% agree with you. Like That is a dark horse that a lot of people aren't looking into. At, isn't garnering as much attention as what it probably should be. Right, right. I, I don't think I've heard anybody mention that, like, really at all. They're like, oh, it's Activision Blizzard. And then if they feel, like, up to it, they're like, yeah, I'm king. Yeah, I'm king, too, I guess. Well, there's a lot of, like, bitter feelings about king, especially when they were trying to go through their whole phase of trying to trademark specific words like candy and saga and stuff like that and, <laughs> <Fucking idiots. laughs> yeah so i no. think that's why a lot of people try to not think about king because of just how much of a sour taste they left in a lot of people um when they were trying to pull stunts like that candy must have been warheads <laughs> um but yeah no with this um some big things come through of course we mentioned call of duty world of warcraft candy crush um there's also some very like th- if there's things that are owned that you don't really think about like tony hawk um right uh hearthstone spyro um guitar crash Hero, bandicoot crash bandicoot um those things that you I, I played on playstation on playstation one that were like those pivotal games are now owned by their competitor so exactly based on the based on the verbiage to this article though it sounds like Microsoft or Xbox actually bought Tony Hawk's parents because it says the creators of Tony Hawk. <laughs> it does not say the creators of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series. He bought so, his parents. There, there was more in this deal than people are reading. All right. Well, we should probably bring that probably. to Tony's attention. Huh. Okay. I mean, it's worrisome. I mean... We're dealing in people there's, there's, now. A, there's a lot in there though and I, I think some of the stuff we're looking at is like you know yeah Crash Bandicoot but they, they're not the ones that actually put out the last big deals with Crash like oh, wait, hold on. we had already seen such a big deal where Activision had been like uh, yeah y'all do something with this just like passing the buck over to somebody else well um, the, that was for that was with Toys for Bob which is part of the acquisition deal the Toys yeah. for Bob did the Spyro remasters. They did uh, the the brand new Crash Bandicoot four. I think about time I believe was the subtitle for it. But then after those got published, 
Toys for Bob got moved out of um, making those kinds of games and into a supporting role for uh, supporting Call of Duty Warzone, along with pretty much almost every other company that they had. Yeah. There's just, there's just so many moving pieces in this, and there's so much that's there that it's it's not really too big of a surprise. Well, it, it, it's partially a surprise, but also it felt like it was kind of dumb. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw that Sony took a hit. Uh, Sony shares took a hit yeah. right, right it, after this announcement. It was uh, they about dropped like 12 20%. billion. Yeah. Yeah, they, they dropped big. Um, but it doesn't really feel like it was a, a big reason there. I just... I think well, this is all just kind of a crazy move, especially considering, you know, just last week talking about, you know, Microsoft no longer putting out Xbox One consoles now and only working on the series consoles going forward. Right. And then this, and it's just kind of like, okay, we get it. You're invested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. the other it, thing to note, too, is that this offer is an all-cash offer, too. Yeah, that means it's not a stock, not equity. It's just, it's just money. Yeah, here it is. Um, yeah, it's buying, it's buying people, it's buying others out of the company, basically. Right. Um, anyone who stands to <clears throat> to make money in this isn't going to have that lingering profit. This isn't. We're going to give you this much in shares that are going to be um, usable over this time period with this kind of restriction on it. It's straight up. Here's your money. If you take it, good. We're done. Um, which is it's huge. It, it's a very, it's a it's a big move, and that's right. probably the most surprising part of all of it is that it was such an unabashedly cash grab. I'm throwing my wallet scenario. Well, that and the fact that there were no rumblings of this at all. There was nothing to allude to this deal. This was probably one of the best kept secrets in the game industry that has ever happened because there was like no mentions of this kind of move being made except if you look in retrospect uh phil spencer's words of we're reevaluating our relationship with activision blizzard <laughs> yeah. now in hindsight it's like yeah we're going to buy these guys yeah yeah that that's crazy and I, ultimately i think this is making the best of a bad situation uh, of this um it's a company that i I hope is doing all of the right things they seem like they're doing a lot of the right things um they're pumping a lot of goddamn money back into the industry um and at the same time they're scrubbing a stain (laughs) out of the industry i mean that is the hope yeah 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 that's that is the hope and that's one of the things i don't think we have an article about it um but the idea is um the the person in question of course bobby kodak everyone's like we got to get him out of here he's going to stay in the same position until pretty much the ink d- dries um which right. is supposed to be june 30th uh 2023 Right. Yeah. So we have a, a full year to undergo not only all the normal approvals, but all the regulatory stuff and all the red tape. Mm-hmm. Um, I do still think that that is, to me, it, it still comes across as a loss um, for the workers. 
there is the silver lining of he's finally going to be gone if he actually does go at that point, which it sounds like he is. Yeah. But at the same time, he's still winning. Right. He's still leaving on his terms. And if in any scenario, if someone's going to be that scummy and responsible for so many problems and not want to answer to it, and then gets to decide, you know what, this is my chance to go with like a quarter million dollar severance. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's... And... Uh, it's I, sad that it takes an acquisition this large to do anything effective about that current situ- about that situation at that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I I look at it as um, he's in a position of power still, and he's surrounded by people that continuously like uplift him in that power. Um, but theoretically, once this goes through as of july 1st 2023 that's gone right he doesn't have if he were yeah oh and and i'm sorry because i said quarter million i meant quarter billion billion. yeah yeah um it's just it's there's no he he can't lose in this no Um, he can't the the only possible way that he could lose would be if he was terminated by Activision Blizzard for just cause, and we've already seen that that's never going to happen. Right. Um, but he's going to get a massive probable. lump sum payout. He's going to get equity awards. He's going to get all kinds of other craziness. Um, he's just going to make ridiculous amounts of money for this to go through, and it's it's upsetting yeah. because again we see the big man win um, in. In the other week before all this stuff was announced, you know, Phil was up on stage and said that um, Xbox isn't a place for our platform isn't a place for politics um, to get involved, and that was his kind of way of avoiding talking about this issue. Right. Um, but I don't like that verbiage. I, I, that made me lose respect for Phil because if video games are an art form, then they then art is still a place for politics, even on a minimal level. It's still there. Right. I think he was just basically speaking CEO speak in just to try to defend in that kind of position and stuff that where where he's at, everything he says is going to be scrutinized. And so he made the safest statement that he could possibly well, say. I don't think he was. I, I it, What that statement was tied around was using Xbox services as a means for political services. Uh, that's what he was trying to tie that with that um, you don't come to Xbox and use our platform as like a political grandstand that's what he was trying to allude at as far as like politics in art and in video games I don't think he was that's what he was referring to but just on the broader generalization of that statement as a whole though that's that's what he said mm-hmm. um, like it, it still comes that way of where does where does he draw the line then and the idea that someone in that position can do that and wants to draw that line somewhere and and basically give someone that ultimatum or or put someone in a scenario to have to think like that well that makes me just it all makes me think differently about him and with all of this that's going on it really makes me read him like CEO level wise a bit differently than other people still do. Yeah. He's a lot more methodical. He's very 
behind the scenes methodical and we we're seeing that with this announcement with with the acquisition happening right um, we're seeing that with how deliberate his previous videos were where there were little secrets about upcoming acquisitions hidden in the behind the scenes like on his shelf during his presentations in past years like he's very deliberate in what he does even if it feels like it's a very indeliberate way of saying something or doing something. I just thought yeah. of like, so, it, like a childhood photo of him holding like Tony Hawk for a skater. <laughs> like, right, but he he has to be though. When you're um when you're the head of a company like Xbox and that has ties to like one of the highest um profiting companies on the planet like Microsoft you have to be deliberate with your wordage and stuff. And to kind of go back to like what I was saying earlier, there were there is some context that wasn't directly tied to it um, that might help alleviate some of those concerns. And the fact that he was also trying to allude to the fact that like um, people who tried to use, hide under free speech pretenses to be able to do things like say plot the January 6th insurrection attempts like they did with Facebook where Facebook tries to say that they are a free speech platform but the fact of the matter is that the first amendment right here in this country does not protect you from the consequences from a private entity and so Microsoft has taken the stance that in the event that someone tries to do something like what happened on Facebook where they plotted uh, you know overthrowing a legitimate election or something like that that Xbox is not going to tolerate that and they will not hesitate to remove you from your platform if you're trying to do that kind of thing. And that's a lot. That's a lot for Phil Spencer to like bring up and do, especially as high as he is all the time. Right. Like And there is that guy looks some his baked all the time. <laughs> well, he's probably exhausted. And there's like some historical yeah. context that you have to Add to that, too, where you had intelligence reports come out where you had terrorist organizations that were using uh, platforms like World of Warcraft and Call of Duty and stuff like that to basically plan, like, attacks out and stuff like that. So in that's, that's where I'm coming at from, that, um, from those statements that he... Essentially, he if he's coming at it from the... If we find that there is a reason for you to be removed from our platform we will not hesitate to do so don't think that just be that your uh first amendment rights is going to protect you from consequences from us that's what i had gotten from that statement yeah well again like i said the, the biggest issue yeah. with that is that you have to to dig more into it because at right. that point look at how many games we have which do have the very political allegories going along next to them and what's to keep somebody from interpreting that differently when it comes to something like that or what's to keep them from taking that free reign of going yeah I just I just don't like the direction this game's going we're not going to have it on here now um, which I mean they've already had the ability to do that for so long and forever right. but it's it's just another way to kind of it's a reminder that the pressure that's there yeah it's a reminder that these are private entities and that they do control their platform and that they can control what is hosted on there and what isn't hosted. Yeah. But it's, like I said, my biggest thing when it comes to that, to that side of it is still, it's still the art side of it. it yeah. It's still the argument that, you know, saying that video games 
saying that your platform, which is video games, um, isn't a place for politics, and at the same time, t- trying to have the understanding that video games are an art form, and y- it's it's that weird double-sided coin. Like you you can't really have one without the other, so you've got to be very careful on how you position that and and how you try to phrase that to not mm-hmm. alienate or piss off the wrong people in the right way or in the wrong ways because it is still a very they're art because they're very thought-provoking they make us think about different things they make us see and visualize and and imagine different outcomes and different futures and oh 100 the change how you look at life um but a really good example that you just made me think of was spec ops the line that was a really good example of what you're talking about Like it's just it's a it was a weird one it was a, a weird phrase to come out of nowhere and and really say that at the time it didn't seem like it was something that he needed to say when he did but and, and then it all just got swept under the rug really quick because we woke up Tuesday to this news which was yeah. still and it's it is going to continue to be a very big deal going forward like we see a lot of huge huge momentum happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As far as immediate, though, it's not making a difference yet. All these companies are still doing their own thing. Right. And I'm glad to see it. Um, we still have so many of these companies underneath the Activision um, Blizzard umbrellas still working on the current project they're already working on. It's 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 one of those where it seems like a lot of people are, yeah, I mean, it could make a difference in the future, but for now, a job's still a job. We're still doing this. We're still set to do this because that's not set in stone yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I, I don't want to say, oh, these guys are going to continue to just operate normally. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, I do feel like it's going to benefit them a, as we go on and as we, like, read through some of this. I, I can't remember every single Activision article that we have. Let me see. Um, <laughs> but I do know one of the... Uh, one of the things that they had going on um, was uh, about leadership, like Bobby Kotick specifically, um, having the Overwatch dev team work on things that were like dead ends. Right. Um, and, and I've seen several articles and things on it about like they would have the dev team work on this whatever thing and then cancel it a month later so it's just like a waste of time for whatever reason and that whole time and and they said that whole time we could have been working on overwatch too but they weren't they were working on this dead end thing that was canceled next dead end thing canceled and they just kind of kept doing that and i understand that that can happen but they're the dev team for overwatch it makes sense for them to work on Overwatch. That'd be like the like that'd be like um, like a company that works on Pokemon. They're like, hey, we're gonna need you to go ahead and work on this like DLC for Star Fox. And they're like, wait, what? Like, you know, we've announced a new game, right? We should be working on that. <laughs> and they're right. like, yeah, I yeah, that- I know, I know, I know. And then they cancel that, and they're like, okay, we're we're gonna need you to work on something for like Earthbound. What? I think that, that ties yeah. I think that ties into what we were talking about earlier where essentially 
not just on this pop, um, particular episode, but in previous episodes, where Activision really wasn't diversifying their releases. They essentially, they were consolidating all their studios into support roles for Call of Duty. And now, at least when this acquisition ends, that there's a lot of talk about reshuffling in the development structure for the company and trying to diversify things back out again. Yeah, There's well, even... There's even talk and hope that Call of Duty won't be annualized like it has been, that they'll try to spread out the development cycle because it has consistently been released in November of every single year for an eon now. And yeah. so there must be like a major burnout going on with those. And now there's an opportunity for a lot of these developers to try other things and get into other stuff. At, like... To, Okay, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. No, you're one of the, that. You, you you hit it there, like mentioning that because one thing that I read um, that was early reports that were I, I can't remember what the article was from was probably in the Jason Schreier article, but it was that the, one of the biggest problems with Activision had been their approach to so many games were if it couldn't be turned into a billion dollar franchise, then they didn't really want to do it. Yeah, right. Like the the the. Like having any actual creativity in there wasn't a thing. Like, when's the last time Activision Blizzard? Like, when's the last time Activision, like, just as as anyone under that umbrella, dropped something new that wasn't already tied into something else, which was going to be guaranteed money for them? There was it's, no. They they weren't about taking any kind of risk. They wanted to protect that wallet share as much as possible. And that's why we had annual releases, because it was the safest way to do it. Right. And financially, it was working for them. Yeah. Um, yeah it was, I mean, it, it was the whole, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. But at the same time, like, you don't, it, 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 it you don't know what that, you're also, you're still not fixing it. Right. It, you're not, it's not, it's not that it ain't broke, don't fix it. You're just adding an extra layer on top of it and, and strapping some extra bandages to something that doesn't need it. Like, yeah. give yeah. it some time. And the burnout is incredibly real with that. Exactly. Like, yeah. When you're when you have when you have that revolving door scenario of, you know, every other year it's a different team pushing out a very similar game, just to make sure that you keep that wallet flow going in. You're kind of cannibalizing for this. It's exhausting for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking at this lineup here of, like, just right on um, the Xbox news, it shows Overwatch, Diablo, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, and StarCraft. I look at that, and I'm like... You know that they've made other stuff in the past. They, yeah, well, it, but it, looking at that, it's like, there is, like, one of those games is like more prevalent than the rest of them right like you look at like world of warcraft still going strong i would say that's probably a a good second candy crush i'm not too sure i feel like that'd be a third but when was the last time there was like a starcraft thing starcraft too every time starcraft started to do something every time they started to do something new with starcraft they axed it because it wasn't a safe bet for them right rp you know, starcraft goes. like you go go all the way back to when we were supposed to have got yeah i was just about to break <laughs> up. like go way back to like nintendo 64 era when we were going to get star or uh, starcraft content and never did because it just kept like 
getting started and then getting swept off the table. It's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, I mean, the newest... Yeah. A couple years later, and then never mind. The newest thing that they've done as an original IP is Overwatch, and that was still incredibly safe. A hero shooter, you know? Yeah. Uh, during the time when hero shooters were starting to get really popular. Yeah. I mean, didn't it come out at the same time as... Battleborn, it was a month apart. Yep. yep. I knew that was coming up because I still am so pissed that Battleborn got killed the way it did because I yeah. really enjoyed Battleborn. Had interesting characters. Definitely had interesting characters. Hey, it's Brian. I hope you've been enjoying the episode. This pandemic will not end just because we reached a specific day, but when we truly stop the spread of COVID-19. So please wear a mask and get vaccinated. You can find out where to get vaccinated by visiting vaccines.gov. Thank you and enjoy the show. But, like, Overwatch was six years ago at this point. Yeah. Right. Oh, my and they don't God. Have... I, it sucks saying that. <laughs> and, and I think Overwatch should have just kept going. I don't agree with the idea of, like, Overwatch 2. I would just say, like... Like, I don't understand. Make the single-player stuff its own standalone thing? Do the what? Well, the big thing with like Overwatch 2 is that they wanted to add single-player and PvE components to Overwatch. And I think the reason why they decided to go with an Overwatch 2 is that they wanted to restructure the overall like system that it's based on so that way they can do that kind of thing. But I feel like that they could probably just done their own single-player... Kind of like the model of what uh, Riot Games is using with their League of Legends universe that they're doing. Like They're doing their own standalone titles and entries for other stuff like a turn-based rpg and yeah. things like that yeah if you're changing the genre that that makes sense of releasing something else like overwatch like whatever you want to call it but if it's the same thing and they want to put a single player thing in it and they're looking to do pve restructure it like yeah. call of duty as as much as i'll like hark on call of duty they do have a really good idea when it comes to the way things are kind of laid out. They, you can download first, just the multiplayer without the campaign. You can download yeah. just the campaign. You can download just zombies. And then Warzone's a completely separate thing. Right. And to go logical. even one step further on that, their first-person shooter mechanics is second to none in the industry. Oh, yeah. They are, like, they are what everyone else bases first-person shooter mechanics off of yeah they're definitely a when it comes to that definitely like uh, a gameplay functionality game it, it, I, I just wish that they wouldn't go hey oh let's make a second game that just right I don't know who that serves aside from their wallet well I think that kind of goes into a little bit of what uh, the talks between Sony and Microsoft went into this week and part of the reason why you saw the massive dip in uh, Sony's uh, stock prices. Granted, this week wasn't exactly a good week for the markets overall, right. um, just as a disclosure on that. But there was a, there's been a lot of talk that because of this acquisition, there's a good chance that Call of Duty could become a console exclusive to xbox whereas before it was dual release on both playstation and xbox and what that would mean for sony and playstation who kind of been more dependent on third-party tiles when it comes to the shooter arena uh genre is by removing that huge platform from 
well, any new entry from that platform would definitely dissuade people from looking into getting your console when it comes for people who can only afford one console. The choice between Xbox and PlayStation, if you're getting into it to play Call of Duty with your friends, like a mass majority of the video game community does, or like it does with like Madden and stuff like that, Xbox now has that edge over PlayStation. Yeah. But, but I, that's, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine if they did take that off of um, their competitors and they're like, nope, Call of Duty is now a uh, like Xbox exclusive. Imagine the drop in, uh, in, in it, people playing. It'd be colossal. Yeah. It would be... It would just be colossal the amount of people that would just transition over to something else other than PlayStation because a lot of people do just get a PlayStation just to play one or two games with their friends and stuff like that. Um, I'm glad that it's been almost a week since this news came out because it kind of leads into some of the, like, the legalese of what that kind of future may go into. Um, because when I first saw this on Tuesday, my first impression I said in our group chat is like, would not be surprised to see Call of Duty become Xbox console exclusive. But since that time, there's been some more information that's come out, some other statements, and it seems like there is an agreement that at the least, granted it's reminiscent of like the Bethesda stuff, that there is um, going to be continued uh, contractual agreements um, for things like Call of Duty and stuff. Yeah, that that's one thing I remember we talked about, and, and my side of the argument on that was the very straightforward, just like I mentioned earlier, with Call of Duty being a revolving door the way it has been, who knows how far out that contract is. Right. We still, we'll probably still see console-exclusive content on the next couple Call of Duty games. Right. Because that's been a thing, and we're probably still going to see a couple PlayStation-exclusive features or things coming to Call of Duty over the next couple releases just because, contractually, they were getting money from Sony for how long to, to make those things be a draw, to make the packaging really pop for Call of Duty and all that other stuff. Um that was one thing we talked about before with um, Sony being a bigger single-player focused company. There, any of the popularity they got out of something multiplayer came from the different developers themselves. Right. You know, yeah. It, it came to like, oh, PlayStation's great. PlayStation multiplayer is going to be great because it has this exclusive Call of Duty mode. You know, it has this year one content on Destiny exclusive to PlayStation. It has this exclusive to PlayStation, that exclusive to PlayStation for X amount of time. Um, and that was one of the biggest draws that was there is for the advertising, for the marketing. Oh yeah, this is all, all the marketing is gonna be for this. Sony's gonna pay to make sure that their logo goes on all the marketing for this. We're still gonna probably see that for the next couple years um, because they've already signed those contracts. They've already inked those deals. Um, it's- Well, it, lots, kind of going back to like the E3 news, Activision and Blizzard didn't really ever have their own press event. They kind of just would go in. They always, yeah, they always tagged in. Yeah, exactly. And it was most of the time with uh, PlayStation. Yeah, and EA would always partner up with Microsoft for a lot of their stuff because they were the bigger multiplayer focus. Sports games were big Xbox things because they were big Western releases. So they sided with that with Microsoft a lot on those. Um, you would get the occasional thing like FIFA that would be a Sony push, but. 
a lot of times your 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 EA and your big multiplayer focus was coming towards the Xbox side of it. Um, if we do see Call of Duty or any of the big Activision titles go full exclusive, I don't see it probably for another. I want to say like four years. Yeah. Because the way those with those revolving door contracts, and they're already working on probably two different Call of Duty games right now, if not three, then we have time. Right. Like we we still have time for it. I would say three years would be pushing it, um, but I really think that the landscape is going to be much different in five years. I agree, and it's part of the reason why, like I said, like I'm glad some time has passed because at least my prediction. And this is based off of like past behavior and stuff like that. And as you mentioned, Sony kills it with single player single player titles. That's where they um, you know make their name with. And then when it comes to multiplayer, they're dependent on third party uh, producers. I I initially said that <clears throat> excuse me that I could see Call of Duty going full. Uh, exclusive within a few years but i'm going to now change that that i could see that multiplayer remains continued on playstation but single player like the single player aspects for call of duty become exclusive to xbox as far as consoles go um warzone isn't going anywhere there's too much money that's being made with that in Xbox and Microsoft will continue to support that and what I look into is I look at games like Minecraft where it was already pre-existing and that essentially Minecraft has become a game as service kind of deal that is seeing continued support on other platforms and what I see is that Warzone will continue to go that will continue to evolve and continue on as many platforms as so, it can but it, i could also even see that like the like the arena multiplayer could get tied into warzone itself and so that doesn't change with each uh new entry but as far as like campaign en- entries go that become an xbox game pass tie-in that's what so I my see. In, in in talking about, you know, you brought up Minecraft, and that's a big one right now because I've been playing Minecraft with my son a lot. He's at that age right now where he, he wants Minecraft. I've been playing it with him on PlayStation. <laughs> that's where we have it installed. Um, since the acquisition, there's still been a lot of big updates there, but Microsoft has redefined the marketplace for Minecraft, the internal marketplace for how that game functions. Yep, they absolutely um, they, have. They've completely changed how that works. As at the at the core, the game is still the same. It's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and getting more things added to it on every platform. There's a but huge the internal community. marketplace has been completely redefined on it. Yeah, um, in it's order a... to get new skins, get new texture packs, get all of this, it's a whole different method than it used to be. And you're not going to like the PlayStation Store to buy this pack now. You're going through the Minecraft Store. You're you're going straight through its own internal service place to be able to get these additional things and add them to your cross-platform account as a whole. Like exactly. There's a lot of moving pieces there, so there's a lot of potential, um, and and things like Warzone, those big multiplayer aspects. I don't see them going anywhere. It's like you said, they're gonna, they they stand to profit too much from keeping those multi-platform, but I could see them redefining the marketplace, keeping the multiplayer aspects full cross-platform, 
but making sure that whenever you're buying content, be it your battle passes, your your extra skins, your cosmetics, your your maps, anything like that, have that all come through their central hub instead of going to the PlayStation Store. You're now going to go into the Call of Duty Store and make exactly. them buy that, where it's going to be you had to work for multiple versions of the game for you now, but it's Microsoft getting that money regardless. Exactly. Yeah, like I, it, it's th- that, and that's what I was it, saying back on um, when we were talking about something like uh, like back in the Bethesda when Bethesda was was being picked up. I was right. like, it seems crazy to me that they would leave it's leave that money on the table when they can say, "Hey, this is a first party thing. You can get it first on our system through Game Pass with that well, subscription." But at the same time, saying if you want it elsewhere, you're going to have to pay that full price. 70 bucks on PlayStation. I think it leads into what essentially PlayStation's claim to fame has been is that it's um, the draw is their first party titles. And that's why we've seen th- how Bethesda's uh, situation has played out is that Bethesda is known for their first, uh, for their single player games. And so to make those exclusive to Xbox, that's how it makes sense to draw people into their platform. Because as we said before, it's not just about their consoles, it's about getting them into Game Pass. And so if you make uh, Game pa- make it require that everyone at least is interfacing with a Microsoft service in some way, that's how their strategy is going to be. And it even goes into why they're kind of, they've been on this acquisition string as well, because it was just a few years ago where Phil Spencer said that like, um, their fu- the future in competition with uh, video games isn't going to be so much about Microsoft versus um, Sony. It's going to be basically the tr- what has been traditional console holders versus Amazon and Facebook and uh, Google and stuff like that. Especially in... As we get closer to as much of a cringe statement as this is, whatever the hell the metaverse thing is going to end up being. Whereas right now, it's very much a buzzword that a lot of places are trying to use to draw in investors and stuff. During this acquisition, this was one of the first times that Phil Spencer has alluded towards plans about dealing with things in regards to the metaverse that this acquisition is to help them in uh defining what their position in that all of that is going to be and i think that's going to lead into what the future landscape as far as um the competitive market for video games is going to become yeah it's it's going to be wild and with technology spikes happening the way they are and with this whole pandemic treating us the way it is, um, that's that's the big reason I earlier said that like I, I give it five years and we're going to see a whole different landscape. Um, if not from what is, with all of this stuff happening, not necessarily what we're used to seeing as the quote-unquote console war, but it's it, just like you're saying, it's going to be more content. It, it's going to be more about the content that's there. Right. But I... I do see at this point every company is is building behind the scenes. They're doing something. And we really saw 
what kind of stuff can happen. And I mean, we still, I still feel like there is kind of a console war out there. And we just saw Microsoft reveal one of their biggest strategies. Like, so we far, already knew yeah. it was a big deal for them. We knew they were all about buying up studios. Did we ever expect something this big? No. So, that, I mean, we, this is essentially Microsoft sliding a curtain back to show like oh yeah we have all these nukes ready so we're still doing our thing like it's it's just not a very vocal and very outspoken and and literal console war as we were used to seeing right but it's almost more like we're in the cold war phases of it where everybody is in the back staying quiet doing their own thing and then revealing things like we know that Sony is working on their own Game Pass competitor but we know nothing about it right we know that the other week um, PS3 stuff started popping up on PS5 stores and nobody knew why then it all disappeared and then there was the cryptic <laughs> Japanese tweet from Sony the other day talking about 1, 2, 3 and people were like oh my god PlayStation 1, 2, and 3 stuff and then it turned out to be completely unrelated yes. like <laughs> there's there's so much happening and so many different things that it's hard to not look into it so deeply Right. but it's also really easy to get tangled up in that web if you look in the wrong spot the wrong way as we just saw with the Sony tweet like well everyone has moved has some, a plan that they're working toward and we've learned that with with things like this with Phil like they're so good at keeping those secrets they're so good at not letting us know and then it coming out of nowhere yeah I, the consequences, positive and negative, are going to be far-reaching for this. And we, at this time, we can only speculate at what the future landscape is going to be. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much that's that's pretty much all we all we can do. Um, I'm ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pumped to see what happens. Like, I this is one of the first times I've been able to actually kind of think out further and and look at that whole idea of you know five years down the line what's this stuff going to look like because one year ago we didn't expect this two years ago we were still joking about xbox one having such a terrible launch and how doomed they were and then they just bought company after company after company right like they're buying themselves to victory they aren't releasing anything that's that huge of a deal to make such a far-reaching impact because they know that their core franchises are just theirs they know that xbox people are going to be there for forza they're going to be there for halo they're going to be there for gears they know their bread and butter and they know how to do their job at it so when it came to doing better elsewhere why waste their own resources on it when they can just buy the people that do it best right and that stands to like the kind of company that is backing xbox like microsoft has the cash flow to be able to do these kinds of things they what they also like xbox isn't their sole thing just while an argument can be said with said with sony what microsoft is able to do alongside this is far-reaching like they're able to do government contracts or server support stuff like that that's the kind of like income that they're able to play with that if they want to get into this kind of market even more heavily they can absolutely do that oh yeah and part of it does get scary to an extent when you start mentioning government contracts and things like that 100 percent. because 
it does take me back to the idea that the military has already used video gaming to recruit people in. Yeah. Um, and then it takes I me know. back to looking at things like Ender's Game. And, like, it makes me wonder, in that reality for that book, what set things down that path to where you had a child, a literal child, helping conduct massive, like, space war... <laughs> Right, like it's it's weird imagining that far out into something, but what starts that kind of thing? I mean, as soon as you mentioned government contract, the work that just like made me shudder for a second. But there's there's a lot of moving pieces to it, and we we already know that we know that this is this is so much more than just a standard chess game. This is like that ridiculous multi dimensional 3D chess, chess game that you can yeah, yeah it's yeah. that ridiculous like if I make this move then I'm going to go seven possibilities away and make this move instead and it's it's crazy but we really don't know what to expect on this end we do still have time for it um, and I, I think that on the consumer side of it yeah we're we're still worried and we're still nervous and we're still like we're still partially hopeful we're skeptical we're, there's a lot of things to it um, I, I know that earlier my biggest stressor was that I was upset that no matter what it feels like Bobby's going to win this because either way he's going to leave with a ton of money right. but the the other employees though you know the, the, the other Activision and Blizzard and everyone else that's already under that umbrella that is looking at becoming a Microsoft employee over the next year I think um, yeah that's where the real good is on this is going to come about granted like with all acquisitions and mergers, there are bound to be layoffs. Yeah. But I think because of the the environment that Activision Blizzard has been in, that Phil Spencer and Microsoft know that the optics are going to be all on them on how they handle this kind of thing. And I think they're more than likely what they'll probably do is a lot of the, it, more whatever layoffs do happen it'll probably be more in things like their accounting and marketing and stuff like that yeah. as far as their... yeah, I don't think it'll be the, the the necessarily the dev teams and stuff I think yeah. it'll be some restructuring in some of those teams um, and I feel like some of them probably expect that too just like you said earlier you pointed out that some people have been getting reassigned to dead-end jobs and dead-end tasks that they knew was kind of pointless even though their passion was elsewhere and their skill set was elsewhere I I can see that eventually getting looked at. Um, I can see them kind of transitioning in and and move and shuffling things around and moving people around to kind of reorganize and redefine, you know, where it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's funny because there are articles I read out there about people that had recently left Microsoft. Like one person recently left Microsoft to go to Activision yeah. <laughs> because of some stuff, and then this is happening, and it's like, wait, hold up, a couple of days what? later, yeah. That yeah, that's right. like, and then I guess the other way. But even then, like in, in some scenarios like that, I feel like even those people are optimistic because depending on some of the reason, like depending on your reason, if you left because oh things are getting stale, it's it's just the same possibilities that are here. I'm under this core team right now. I don't have room to go anywhere. And then you move over to a, a team where you might have that extra potential. You can spread your wings a little bit, and then you get swooped back in. And but now you're on this other team, but you know what if there were some good pros that you lost when leaving one company to go to the other, and now you're you're getting those benefits back. Like the, the right. pros are coming back, the cons might not be there as as much as they were. Yeah, yeah. 
completely true. Like, there's there's a lot of people that are optimistic about it, which is awesome. Uh, I want the best for the workers. That's always exactly. been my thing. I want I want the workers to have the best possible environments, to have the best possible leadership, to be treated like actual human beings, to not just be a, a cog in a wheel and grinding out this one after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, and some of the things that we've talked about as far as hopeful changes on the consumer side are also things that are going to impact them on the employee side. Right. You know, if we if we do see some downsizing end up happening and some layoffs happen, it might be because we look at a scenario where you know a year or two down the line, or or very far, or, or even sooner, it's it's possible. We have at least a year before this stuff starts really happening anyway. Mm-hmm. But if we do start seeing things like Call of Duty stop being an annual release, then that means that we do stand. It stands to reason we'll see a a drop in some of the people that were on those teams that handled Call of Duty. Right. But my but hope would be time, that they. It's not so much that they're they're still in house, but they're just moving away from that project and onto like stuff because you know these yeah. guys have like books of things that they want to do like yeah it's, it's bound it's more than likely that they got stuff that like man this would be a really cool idea if we could just get someone and i guarantee that and that's um that it will probably get support with microsoft because with how like game pass functions and everything it's not just a place where you can get the first party Microsoft titles and Bethesda titles and stuff like that is another place for people to be able to try out brand new and unique uh, independent games too when they get circulated on there as well. But also like if we do end up seeing people, you know, get separated away, if we do end up seeing people get kind of like pushed out like, hey, without this being an annual release anymore, we're downsizing, we don't need this, we're gonna have to, we're gonna get rid of a couple people because it doesn't make sense, um, then that puts other people on the job market where there already is, I mean, it sucks out there for anybody trying to get into it as a new, as an entry level anything, as, right. as you guys both know. In the, in the gaming world, entry level is not a thing right now because so many things keep happening. But that stands to have, you know, maybe some good talent get dropped here or there that wasn't able to get their voice heard somewhere because of where they were, or they were really good at one or two specific things, and that's all they ever got shoehorned into, but never got to spread their wings and do something else. But what if you have people leave some of these other teams under this umbrella and get picked up by somebody under the EA umbrella or under the Sony umbrella and start pulling pooling that talent elsewhere? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what if we saw some like amazing? Call of Duty people that were partially responsible for doing some of the cooler things that were there and just really good at it get pulled into, you know, something like trying to revive Killzone or revive like Resistance on the Sony side of it. Like it's or selfishly it for recruiting. me, I would love to see people <laughs> on like that been working on Call of Duty potentially get into maybe a revival for Star Wars Republic Commando. That has been like kind of like a secret hope for me. It's like, come on, let's bring back Republic Commando. Yeah, like there's a, there's a lot of potential that's there on on both sides of it. Yeah, um, I'm I'm more hopeful for the employees than I am anything though. I really really want to see them grow yeah. and I want to see them benefit better under all this. Um, and it, it, the optimism is going to be great. I'm, I'm so I'm glad to see that this kind of change being talked about is enough to kind of reignite a little bit of hope in some of them because that's what it feels like um 
Well, already but, you're seeing like well, because of like the situation that's been going on, you're seeing like uh, peop- the testers at Raven Software like starting the first was it American Union for game development. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean there is um, there is uh, Vodio uh, was the first North American video game company to like fully unionize. Um, they okay. had just over like a dozen. Um, a dozen employees. Um, this is a little different. They're, um, this is the first time we're seeing something big. Like yeah, they're they're this this is a recognizable name. They're, they're <laughs> calling themselves the Game Workers Alliance. Um, as of right now, several dozen of workers at Raven Software um, are, you know, ha- have signed up. And uh, according to this. Um, They've been engaged in a uh, seven-week work stoppage uh, began after Activision Blizzard management laid off 12 Raven contractors on December 3rd. Members of the group told the Washington Post that the company had issued uh, assurance for eight months and it would increase wages. Uh, So them being fired felt like a betrayal. Um, Then they began collecting signatures in an effort to unionize um, and went on strike on the 6th, so three days after those people were fired, demanding... um, uh, demands include rehiring the laid-off contractors to full-time positions, right. um, and I do find it. See, the worrisome part is that it's QA, um, and, mm-hmm. and and I I love QA. It's something that like it's very important in every single thing. It is it's essential. Need, yeah. It's essential. Um, in the video game industry, they're kind of kicked around, um, and so seeing something like this, I, I I would read this and not be surprised that mm-hmm. they you know that there was a, a limit of this contract work and maybe even a promise of full time position after, and then it was axed before. Reading that as an article, I just would go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It seen it a million times before. But maybe in light of everything else that's going on, they're like, no, 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 this is our time. We already have a bunch of press looking at us. Raven Software is, you know, one of the biggest names in the conversation. One of Um, the oldest names, too. Yeah, most definitely. Um, And... Yeah, it, it, you know, think about it. It, it. it is jacked up, and I wish some other people would have signed on outside of QA. Right. Um, just to stand up for QA. That would have been really, well, really nice. It, yeah, and I agree with you, because especially with when it came to, or comes to Activision Blizzard, it is one of the companies that has the highest pay disparity between regular employees and executives. It, I think not just in like the gaming industry, but just in like just commercial <laughs> enterprise as a whole. It is absurd the amount. I need to pull up the uh, numbers on it here, but it it's just absolutely insane how little the um, employees were being paid when compared to scumbags like Bobby Kotick and the board members that were supporting him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm not too sure on where they could go with this because 
a lot of times when you see QA, that's exactly what you see. You know, what, what I was reading, an eight-month um, assurance or an eight-month contract, and then that contract's up. Time to move on to the, to the next thing. Um, or, you know, oh, cool. You know, they, I, I found a spot, and I like to be here. Um, sometimes I do think QA, they like contract work, people who work QA, because it allows them to get their foot in a lot of different companies. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know where I don't know where this could possibly go. It's like, do I see the entirety of the video game industry just jumping on board all of a sudden with unions? I mean, no, mm-hmm. I, I don't see that. Not 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 right away. Um, but is it possible? Is it is it a step in the right direction? I think I, I think so. I mean, with the idea of more people not wanting to jump onto it, I do still get because union busting is still so big. Um, it's still a very big deal. This actually raises, it, it's awesome that this is happening. This does raise concern for going forward because we don't know how Microsoft will react yeah, to right. pulling this kind of stuff in. Because we already know that the most successful financial companies out, the most financially successful companies out there are very, very anti-union, as we've seen over the past couple years from Amazon. Um, Even to go into like Kellogg's, they removed the Kellogg branding from the boxes of Pop-Tarts during the boycott of Kellogg's because of the So people would forget. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, maybe they don't belong to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was like the biggest thing smart. is like you, people are in the world that we're in now with with information being so easily accessible, it's so easy for you to be able to look up and be like, oh yeah, I don't want to support this company because they're treating their employees like garbage. So that means I'm not going to buy any of these 32 products. Um, yeah, it's it's it gets ridiculous. But <laughs> that is some wild coyote shit, though, isn't it? <laughs> Removing the it's, thing from well, the it's package. just like. Oh, yeah. We'll that's, spend I mean, not, all this money to now rebrand ourselves rather than just taking care of the core problem in itself. Oh, Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. It's cheaper for them to just remove a label. Yeah, um, but this is this is an awesome move. This is some positive momentum in one direction. I just hope that it's able to stay that way. And I do want to see other company, other places be brave enough to stand up and want to do it too. Uh, I really would like to see more than just you know more than just quality i, I want to see more groups get into this mindset but i also understand why they don't because a lot of them are a lot of them probably signed at will paperwork and they they probably sign like a, as you know you you guys have both lived in at, at will states um mm-hmm. it's it's so easy for a job to just be like yeah we just don't want you anymore bye yeah. and even if it's not an at will state or an at will employer They'll just make something up. Exactly. All you have to do is, oh, you're trying to form a union. That sounds like you're creating a hostile work environment. Like, it's not hard. It takes a lot of courage to get people to band together and be okay with doing this. Because you look at lost income in the meantime. You look at lost benefits in the meantime. You look at the fact that you now 
cannot pay a mortgage payment, you cannot pay a doctor's bill, you cannot pay for gas to go grocery shopping, let alone for your groceries, because you're trying to stand up for worker rights. Um, and so many times that detachment from the top to the bottom, when people are looking at union busting and trying to talk them out of it, is spreading a ton of that misinformation of, well, they're just going to take this money from you and leave you broke, but we're going to do this instead and, oh, and never the, getting somebody the full picture. I hear it all the time, uh, even from like family members when, you know, at family meals back when we were having them before this hellscape of the pandemic happens. Like, that's what a lot of things I would hear about is like when they start going on these anti-union kicks, even though they're low level employees and workers and stuff like that, that's the thing you would hear. It's like, oh, they're not good for anything. They're just going to take the money and not do anything with it. And yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the last bit of information revolving around this is possibly my favorite piece of information. That came oh out my of all God. This. The idea that Bobby Kotick wanted to buy Kotaku or PC Gamer to change the public narrative of himself and this everything. This is some that was George Orwellian bullshit. <laughs> this if is there like ever was any. Nineteen forties Lex Luthor <laughs> villain scheme stuff. If the media doesn't like us, we'll buy them to make them like us. Oh man. It's funny because if you look at all the there's memes out there about the Wall Street Journal and Amazon. Yeah. And how like shareholding and, and profits and like ownership transitioned over the years. And you saw you'll see articles of like you'll see a meme where on the left side it's like articles that are very critical of Amazon and, and and capitalism and stuff like that. And then on the right you see like um you see Jeff Bezos and like as more money from Amazon goes into the Wall Street Journal, you see the articles change a little bit at a time until they're finally like blah 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 this place is this company is so great look what they're doing oh this is all good <laughs> and it's it's just that idea but the worst way possible mm -hmm. because if there's any any media platform out there that has been so much more vocal than anybody else and so damning of everything Activision and Bobby Kotick than anybody else it's Kotaku. Yeah. Yeah. Like, tell me that you know of a single person at Kotaku that wouldn't walk out of their job if they found out that Activision bought them. They would have bought a name, and that would have been it. Every employee would have left. Every single one. That that, that would have been amazing. I mean, I don't well, think they would have folded quite like... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm trying to think of like what I can attribute it to, and um, the the way that Game Informer kind of just disappeared and was like. But I think that's more related to like market demands and publication sales and stuff, like physical yeah. publications versus digital. Definitely not the definitely not the same thing. Yeah. But it just would have been like an amazing mass exodus. Like, well, I just love the whole idea of like how blind to the actual sources do you have to be to be able to sit in an office and just, man, maybe we could just buy a media company and then influence them to start saying good things about us. Man, who's a media right. company that everybody listens to? Ooh, Kotaku. And it's like, no, do, do, do you not read anything they've ever put out? Yeah. 
it's like it's like the idea of Mr. Burns being so detached from the public, right? That he's like of like wanting to drop money on something that is very adamantly anti him and just doesn't understand it and doesn't see it at all. This is the are they saying boo or are they saying boo earns? <laughs> like, like that is what is happening when Bobby is looking at Kotaku. His he is. Are they are they booing me? No, they're saying boo words. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying boo or are you saying boo words? I love and then, I love all of our <laughs> Simpsons references that just pop into oh, this man. thing, even accidentally. I need like it. That's, that's I need to it, watch though. it. That's, I like I need a marathon that show. That's totally what is happening in that scenario of like yeah. him wanting to buy a media company and landing on Kotaku out of anybody. Out of all of them, yeah. It could have been like... all of them. If you're going to name drop anyone, you name drop Kotaku, where if you do a quick Google search of your name plus Kotaku, and it's not good. It's not the best, no. yeah. It's <laughs> you could have picked anything else, but... Are they booing me? <laughs> God damn it. Oh. Well, it also makes a great point of like just how valuable having independent journalism is, it, even in video game industry, that it is a means of holding accountability, even in situations where it doesn't seem like accountability can happen. Yeah. It's just, oh man. It's, it's, it's like, you couldn't write this stuff. Yeah. Just you have to. It's something you have to live, pretty much. And uh, it's I'm like, really glad that I got to at least mention that and just have a brief yeah. conversation about just how fucking ridiculous. Oh, Dude, I remember straight coming up across just, that and just like God. It's it's the it immediately makes me think reaction gif of the black dude like with the question marks popping up in front of him like the whole like what yeah <laughs> like. <laughs> What? Good, good <laughs> stuff. Oh, but I think man. that I think like, that wraps it up. I really hope um, we don't have to talk about Activision Blizzard for a while after this. Oh, we will though. Yeah, we, but will. we will. Un- we will. Unfortunately, we will. Yeah. This will be the year of Activision Blizzard NFTs, the metaverse, and Goots. <laughs> goots. Goddamn Goots! Always bringing them back. I thought we I thought we were done with goods, but nope, here they are. All right. Well, that is the show. Thanks for joining us, guys. As always, you get the chance head over to facebookcom backslash Uh We appreciate the likes, comments, and shares over there. Follow us on Twitter at Mammoth Games Inc. So you know we go live and do junk just like this. And for MGI, I'm Jay. With me this week, Johnny. Hey, hey. Find him at Johnny Ryan, and as well, Brian. You can find me on Twitter at Major Potty. Same for me, at Night Swarm on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>